ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler-aged boys. Here we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is what we explore a different aspect of on each and every episode. So welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. Hopefully you joined us on our previous episode where we chatted all about feeding our families. Our goal there was to give you some meal ideas, but also at the very least to reassure you that frozen pizza and frozen burritos are actually meals. So hopefully you took away a little lesson from that and made your family something from the freezer and relaxed about it. So if you've been listening to our podcast, you recognize my voice. I'm Mackenzie, and today I'm going to be flying solo for our interview. And we're chatting today with Clémentine Sarlat, all about the word matrescence, which is a French word, and that is, in fact, where I got the idea for exploring a podcast about matrescence. And Emma and I got to chatting, and the idea was born, as we explained earlier. But I first heard the word matrescence through the French podcast, which is Clémentine's, and that is la matrescence. And I heard about the word right around the time when Emerson was about 10 weeks old. So it was the spring of 2019. And I'd been listening to another podcast that I enjoy called called, uh, Nouveau Chapitre, which means new chapter in English. And it was featuring an interview with Clementine at the end of (laughs) April 2019. And I immediately looked up her podcast and heard her story and was instantly hooked. I remember the weekend that I discovered it, I was on a little getaway with my husband and Emerson, who was 10 weeks old at the time. And we were in, in Maine and I kept, you know, having the chance to take little walks and, you know, little things outside. And I would listen to the podcast and I would come home and tell my husband, and this, and this, and can you believe it? And I'm feeling this way and this is true. And he was like, wow, this is, you're really onto something here. So I immediately was, was hooked on the word and fascinated about it. So matrescence, matrescence means the same thing in French as it does in English. It's a contraction of two words, maternity and adolescence, and it means the process of becoming a mother. But more specifically, it describes the tremendous physical, psychological, and emotional changes that occur when a woman transitions into motherhood. So having Clementine on the podcast today truly is a dream come true. In addition to her career experience as a sports journalist and her certification as a pre- and postnatal yoga instructor, Clementine is the host of two podcasts, La Matrescence, which I mentioned, and also Le Spotlight. The Spotlight is a podcast where she interviews people that are in the realm of sports with their experience and their backgrounds, because that's what she spent quite a while doing in her career, and now she, she does that through freelance. She's also the mother to her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Ella, with her partner, Clément. And as a family, they are expecting a new arrival late this summer. So we're thrilled to (laughs) congratulate her on that as well. So today we'll have the opportunity to hear about her journey through motherhood thus far and to learn more about why she is so passionate about sharing this concept of matrescence. Her podcast, La Matrescence, is in French. So being able to share and discuss her experience with an English-speaking audience is truly a gift. So welcome, Clémentine. Thank you for being here. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. You know what? I'm really excited because I've been doing this podcast for so long. And so I was living in in Minneapolis when I was a teenager uh, with my host family, host American family. And they know what I do, but they've never listened, obviously, because they don't speak English, uh, French. 
So for the first time, they will be able to listen to me and know what I'm doing. So yep. just for that, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And, and, and for our audience as well to learn a little bit more about you and your background and especially this term. I mean, it's a term that still, I mean, many friends that I come in contact with, I'll mention the name of you know my podcast and what Emma and I are working on and, and the reaction immediately is, oh, what does that word mean? And Emma has said the same thing too. So it's, it's fun to be able to put... Also, um, a voice behind where we got our own inspiration too. So, so Clemence, would you mind just telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, and where you're living right now? Yeah, sure. So I'm French, as you can hear. So I'm sorry if my English is a little rusty because I I don't practice much uh, anymore. So I'm from Bordeaux, which is a southern city in France. Um, I'm a journalist. I'm a host of podcast. I I do a lot of stuff actually. I was working on TV, hosting shows on TV. Um, and and when I was 17, so then I I was an exchange student in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's cold, but I was living there. It was very cold. The best experience I ever had. It changed my life forever. And I was living with this amazing family and and this year had a profound impact on my life. Uh, it was 15 years ago, almost. And, and so here I am living, still living in France, but dreaming about going back one day <laughs> and trying to help uh, new parents, actually. Because uh, as you mentioned, I have a little girl. Wonderful. And can you share with us just a little bit about her and also about your partner as well? Sure. So um, Ella is two years and a half. Um, she was born in, in Bordeaux and my partner Clem, because, okay, my name is Clementine. His name is Clemel. So we both Clem. <laughs> um, American people call me Clemmy. And so he's um, a former rugby player. Rugby is a big sport in France. And I was covering rugby when I was uh, a journalist, a full-time uh, journalist at the national TV. And that's how I met him. Uh, now we're both retired from that job. <laughs> him from playing and me from um, being on the sideline. But um, he, we had a... I think we've been... Yeah, we've been together for six years now. And... We had Ella, and it's it's changed my whole life um, for the best. But also, it was a very it was a very hard time when it happened for me. As you, if if you know what matrescence means, you can understand and relate to what I was living when she arrived in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, three years later, almost, I am expecting another kid. And uh, it took me a little while too to be ready to have another child. Absolutely. I think that both Emma and I are still in that phase right now where we think it would be nice to have siblings for our sons, <laughs> but we're also very okay right now having only children. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we all go through that feeling. I mean, at some point. 
Definitely. So uh, Emma and I have discussed a lot about how our lives have been impacted and changed by COVID-19 over the past several weeks. We mm-hmm. did a podcast episode about it. And then every every episode, we just do a quick check-in and just kind of ask each other what's what's happening right now in, in, in our lives. Because I live up in Rhode Island and she lives down in Georgia. So we also get two different perspectives. So what, what has it been like living through the pandemic for you in France? Just I, I think our listeners would be curious about how <laughs> what your experience been like and then and then if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe something that was particularly challenging about being in quarantine and then something that has been positive as a result so the context is very different for you guys than it is for us we only have one state (laughs) so everyone does the same thing and it's been almost two months now that we've been quarantined um actually I mean, it could be worse in a way that we have a house, we have a garden, we can go outside. Um, I know for my family back in Minneapolis, they can move way more than we can. Uh, we're not allowed to do a lot besides going grocery shopping and medical appointments. So I'm not working outside of home which is not a problem with me because I am podcasting, which is a blessing right now. <laughs> True, we can do that from anywhere. I know. <laughs> um, I think, well, to be honest, I'm, I think two or three days a week, I'm uh, away from home, so away from my daughter and my partner. And we've been together for 40 days right now. It's never happened since she was born. Mm. and it might be hard for people being all the time with a kid but for us it was a blessing she I mean I think it was she's been suffering from that I'm obviously because it's either I'm gone or he's gone so she barely has her two parents together all the time so we've been able to see her evolve and she's two years and a half she talks a lot um i I don't know it's just to me i'm quite happy i'm pregnant i'm tired uh not being on planes and trains and it's quite good for my health i think (laughs) and my sanity Yeah. yeah Yeah, I I think when you're pregnant, you really are in the state of mind of slowing down. Mm -hmm. Um, Our society does not allow that, but because I'm here and able to do that, it's helped me think about this quarantine as as a good thing. The challenging part maybe was that um, we couldn't go to the appointment for my pregnancy together with my partner so i'm having a home birth so i'm not very um stressed about giving birth because i know it's going to be home and he's going to be here and so that saves me a lot of uh, stress Uh, but he wasn't there for me the first time we did an ultrasound and all of that kind of stuff and we're lucky because it's the second pregnancy so he's quite I mean he knows what's going on mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's so difficult for women uh, who are in their first pregnancy mm-hmm. and not giving birth at home so I don't know I've I don't see anything that is really bad I I'm pretty much enjoying my time <laughs> I have to say, it has been nice to have a little bit more time at home. I mean, the, the pace just slows down, right? It's yeah. Like we have commitments. It's not like we're rushing around to do things. And 
you know, we all know how it is like the end of the week comes and here you have this plan to grab, you know, dinner with a friend or you're doing this or that. I know. Oh, I'm so exhausted. And now (laughs) that's not the case, you know, maybe Zoom. (laughs) Well, then you're right. Well, challenging part is to work and be with her. So Mm. this is something, uh, I mean, I'm happy she naps. (laughs) Yes, I know. Nap time, nap time is like, an absolute saving grace, isn't it? Right now, I know it Emma's is struggling because Owen sometimes will nap. Gosh, like she'll get sometimes maybe 45 minutes in the whole day. And I'm always <sighs> like, oh, because that's just so tough, you know? And she's like, I'm going crazy. I'm like, I don't blame you, girl. Like that is a lot, you know? Oh, yeah. And you're lucky today because uh, she's been napping for four hours, which is, <gasps> I don't know what's going on. But well, that is wonderful. <laughs> and she'll still sleep at night. So, hey. Yeah. And she's still sleeping right now. It's 5 p.m. <laughs> oh my gosh well and then she'll wake up hopefully a, a happy kiddo and you'll have a few hours and then bedtime. <laughs> well bedtime is 11 p.m now but it's fine oh, yeah, that's true that's true everything gets pushed later oh yeah everyone stays up later and yeah. but it's okay i can work from home then it's good that's true. You get a little bit of time for you. So, well, cool. Yeah. It's just interesting to hear the the differences of what's going on. And, and I know I have a couple of friends who are pregnant right now, one with her second, one with her first, and the one with her first has described exactly what you said, just the challenges of her husband not being able to be yeah. there. And, you know, she's wearing masks at appointments and it just is a different, different experience for sure. So, mm-hmm. so the word matrescence is not yet entirely commonplace. In fact, it's it's hardly commonplace at all. And, and I know that's certainly the case in, in the U.S. And I was so amazed to learn that that obviously is also the case in France. I was was listening to um, another Clementine, Clementine Gallet of, of Bliss Stories. It's another French, French podcast, but it has an English name, Bliss Stories. And it, it talks about motherhood and specifically about pregnancy and birth. And I was amazed when I was listening to uh, to her podcast that she wasn't even familiar about the term. This is actually Clemency when you interviewed her, that she hadn't been familiar about the term prior to hearing your first episode. And I thought to myself, like that, that to me is is symbolic of just how few women are yet exposed to this term and its its profound meaning. In fact, all of the reading I did both during my pregnancy and postpartum made zero mention <laughs> of the word of the term. Which is why, like I said, when Emerson was 10 weeks old and I was listening to you for the first time, like my jaw dropped because it really truly defined exactly what I had been experiencing. So, and, and what I still experience, I mean, let's be real, the the period of, of matrescence, I, I believe one time I remember you saying it's kind of traditionally people think of it as about a two-year postpartum mm-hmm. trajectory. So would you mind sharing a little bit about how you first came in contact with this term and then what really inspired you to launch your podcast? So actually this word, I know it sounds weird, but it's American. So it's uh, Dana Louise Raphael, who's an anthropologist. She, in the 70s, so it's, I mean, this word has, he's 50 years old and, or 40 years old, sorry for 70s people. And I, and I was, uh, so I gave birth, it was um, September 17. And I think it was October 17, Alexander, Alexandra Sachs, sorry, I don't, Alexandra Sachs. Exactly, yep. So she's a psychologist and she um, gave a TEDx about matrescence. And I I watched it and I was like, whoa, okay, I'm not crazy. What I'm living right now is very normal. And I that's also why I'm so excited about this podcast uh, and the fact that you're uh, doing this interview with me is... I got to thank 
my host's uh, American family and um, especially Nan, uh, who's my host sister, she, um, I was really struggling with motherhood in the way that I didn't know who I was anymore and she's been my saving point I mean I was emailing her constantly and she was always uh, emailing me back with new I mean with articles in English and and stuff that would help me and she was the one that helped me found that word and um, I'm that's why I'm telling you this year when I was living in Minneapolis changed my life forever because all of that I mean how could I have imagined 15 years later being uh, having an impact in my life in that way it's coming from the US um, and so okay I was so then like you I dug deeper and I went and I searched on the web and I was like okay everything is in English okay I speak English but I'm sure many women in France don't have that uh, capacity of reading English the way I can. So I was like, I gotta tell people, I'm a journalist, I need answer, I have so many questions. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I love podcasts, I listen to so many of them, none of them speaks about parenting and becoming a parent and the challenges that comes with it. So I was like, let's do it. It's I don't know what's gonna happen, but I if I can help one woman, then it's a win-win for me because I was, you know, the, 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 like you, the day I found out about that word, I was like, okay, then I'm very normal. What I'm living is very normal and everything is going to be fine. It's just such a relief. I don't think I would have survived the same way or have a mental stability if I hadn't had uh, that word to grab on, to grasp on. I think that's so well said. I remember talking to my mom in, in the weeks following Emerson's birth, just saying, you know, mom, I just feel, I feel, you know, really just my whole life has turned completely upside down. I don't even now want to go back to work. You know, I mean, as, as I mentioned to you, I was teaching French full time. I didn't want to even go back to work. I couldn't imagine that. I was so consumed with him. Everything revolved around him. I felt like I was all of a sudden a person who was still in pajamas with my boobs leaking. <laughs> Sorry to be dramatic, but that's the way it was, you know, and you're, you could barely, you know, t manage to feed your little baby, let alone yourself. And you're just feeling just so consumed by this. And then when you, you hear the term and I found out, I remember saying to my mom, mom, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me? And she's like, well, you know, my experience wasn't quite like that. And I think that that's also something to keep in mind too, is that, you know, each woman has such mm. a unique walk within this, but I think that there are definitely a large amount of women who I would say maybe the word struggle, right? At the, at the beginning oh, yeah. part, it's not always a smooth, you know, transition. So. Yeah. I think most of us and eat, well, I um, interviewed a lot of psychologists and about that, and they didn't know that word, but they know the concept of it. Mm -hmm. And they were telling me if it's not happening in the first pregnancy, it can happen in the second one or 10 years later mm -hmm. because being pregnant and giving birth um, does a lot of stuff to your body and your brain. And so many things that were hidden before are coming back to you. and some women know how to deal with those emotions so well that they're prepared for it and others are not but are willing to deal with them I think like us and others maybe like your mom or maybe like my mom 
um, we're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's because I've uh, interviewed my mom about it in my podcast because I was very interested about her experience. And she she kept telling me we did not ask questions to her. I mean, it was a different time, obviously, but I'm sure it was different because women were not listened to. It's still a difficult thing to be listened to right now, but um, I think they did not have a voice. And what was going on was their own business and they were not sharing or maybe it was just the way it it was and they were not questioning what was happening Mm. so i'm sure at some point everyone experienced something called matrescence but we deal with it in a different way Mm. i think that's really well said yeah that we all just are going to have our own our own i guess experiences with it and and I think too that now that we almost have a word for it and a term, we're really able to hold on to that. We now have something that can give us an insight into these emotions. Whereas before, you're right, perhaps our mothers experienced obviously these various emotions, whether they were psychological, physical, emotional, but they also then had to, well, this isn't talked about. No one's talking about it. My friends just say it's fine. So it's fine. Yeah, so exactly. Up, moving along, you know, so <laughs> yeah. definitely interesting. So, I want to ask you what has been, if you were to identify the the singular most rewarding thing about being a podcaster, and I have to add in there, we were just talking about women and having a, a woman's voice and especially like a female mm. podcaster. I love that in French, adjectives are gender specific. Yeah. So I love that when I'm describing your profession as a podcaster in English, I could say she is a podcaster, he is a podcaster, nothing changes. But in French, you're a podcasters, and I just love that. Yep. So obviously you can identify immediately in, 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 in the French language, right, that you are a female podcaster, but in English, we, we must be a bit more specific and say, this is a podcaster who is female. So (laughs) that being said, if you were to say um, a very rewarding thing for you about this thus far, what what would that be? Um, So many. It's been a year. Um, I've got obviously a lot of listeners now and and a big community, but it has helped me a lot because I'm interviewing people that I know are going to help other parents but they actually help me because <laughs> i've been either reading their books or uh, following their accounts and know that they add value to the whole parenting world and i've learned so much and it helped me uh, understand my daughter my relationship with my partner so i don't think it would have i would have found those information uh without the podcast Mm-hmm. And then the other fun thing is, uh, so I'm on TV, so sometimes people um, stop me on the street and say, hi, you're Clementine, blah, blah, blah. And usually before, it was mostly men talking about sports. And because if you know, well, sports in America, my position is more like Erin Andrews or Sam Ponder. So women in sport, we're few, so we're quite known. And now people do never stop me for sports. I I still have men coming to me, but they're like, thank you so much for this podcast because now I understand my wife better. I I can help my kids uh, understand their emotions. And I'm like, wow. Because usually it's women who are interesting in education and I'm trying to fight that. So men take charge, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just feels so good when men come to me and be like, Oh, 
you've helped me. I'm like, I've, I have succeeded, succeeded somewhere. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's such a, that's such a good feeling. And it's, um, it's interesting too, what you said about like men taking, taking a role in that. And I actually had, had the opportunity, um, just recently to listen to the podcast that you recorded actually with your partner. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you, and I just loved that because it, in fact, you inspired me. I, 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 once I heard it, I, Emma and I were talking, I was like, we've got to get our husbands on because <laughs> it, it gives you this opportunity to really like see, see things from the other side of the, of the lens, right? Because oh, yeah. so often we're, we are living a very real experience, but our, our, our husbands and partners are too. So, um, I, I know that, that for you, that was, that was obviously a, a big transition for the two of you when, when Ella entered your family and finding, you know, your groove and your equilibrium and everything. So what, you know, what would you say that process has been like? And then I know that, you know, he discussed it a little bit on the episode about how your podcast has helped him, but how has, how has that also brought the two of you together? The podcast, you mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that he can have an understanding, you know, yeah. not only of, of the season in general, but specifically of you. Well, it wasn't meant for that in the beginning. But then I realized I we were fighting a lot about me reading books and telling him how to behave with her and what I was going through. And then at one point, he starting he started uh, listening to my podcast and then things changed because he was uh, getting information from his point of view, obviously with my questions, but the person that was interviewed was telling him um, and giving him information. So it really helped our dynamic because I was not the one in charge anymore, or I mean, I was, but in a different way. (laughs) And, and, and and then we, well, he's a very shy person, if I'd say I'm a very talkative person. So we sometimes, I sometimes struggle because I want him to say stuff or talk about it. And now I, at least I know he's got the good information. Maybe we're not talking about it, but I know he knows. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important. And, and I've, I know he knows what I went through and that he was not, um, very involved when I got my matrescence and I was very, it was very hard for me. I was crying a lot and he did not help. Uh, we were very honest about it. He was not aware about helping and how he could do that. He let me do all the stuff and I got so angry at him. I grew a lot of anger because I was seeing him living not his best life but I mean sleeping and not worrying about if I was eating or anything I was uh, breastfeeding and 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 then when we did this interview and this podcast this episode I just realized that he he had no idea what I was going through I was not I had no idea what I was going through but he did not help in that way so it's also why took me so long to be able to say, okay, let's have another one. Because I did not want to live that uh, experience again. And I also know that it was hard for me because he was not uh, very present. So I feel very confident for the next one, (laughs) I hope. And that he's going to be present and he's going to know what to do. Yeah, I think that it's it's true that it takes it certainly takes some expect you almost have to live in this with your partner so that you know like live in the experience of matrescence with your partner 
to know exactly how they can help you. Like I remember feeling like I wasn't exactly sure what to ask my husband for. It was like, yeah. I know I need help, but I don't know what to ask him for, you know? And You're so right. That's, that's, that's really tough. And, and now I feel like more versed in that. So I, I, I remember from hearing from um, the, the interview that, that uh, Clement did go back to work fairly quickly. My husband did too. He's a, he's a doctor in the emergency room. And so he was back to work. Well, at the time he was doing an internal medicine residency and he was back to work when Emerson was six days old. So we're talking, you know, he was, he was out the door at 6 a.m. and home maybe at 8 p.m. on a good day. And so it was just like, wow, like that was a, you know, not exactly what I expected. And so I've already told him, if we have a second child, you are taking a minimum of a month off. But <laughs> I think that, you know, it, it does take that, that almost to go through the experience to know what to, to know what to ask, you know, and even now if, you know, something comes up where I'm feeling like, hey, I'm doing a lot and I need, you know, kind of a little bit of support on your end, I, I know how to specifically ask for that. I think that that's the difference now is that before you don't really know even what to say. People always say delegate and I'm like, well, I, I don't even know what I need. <laughs> You're so right. And I, the good part about the podcast is I've had couples uh, telling me they were listening to to episodes uh, before having kids, so it sparked uh, conversations and trying to figure out what they all wanted. And I think it's so clever. I wish I had that. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> that's so true. Because all you think about is, oh, you know, you're holding up all the clothes, and you're like, the baby's oh, yeah, really yeah. so cute, and look at my belly, and yay! And then the baby <laughs> comes, and you're like, wait, what? This is yeah. different. <laughs> this is much different. So I did um, I did want to ask you, thinking about, you know, when Ella joined your family in 2017 and you had to reestablish, obviously, the equilibrium of family, work, time for yourself, and that was obviously not an easy transition, as you've explained. If you could go back in time and, and, and look at yourself, like, basically, let's just imagine the day of her birth, and you could give that give that Clementine some advice, what would that advice be? And I'm thinking, imagining a, a woman right now who's about to give birth. And, you know, what, what would you say to her as, as, as just advice and how to trans, you know, traverse through the season ahead? I think it's the difficult thing is I think I was very cocky. I was very sure of myself of, yeah, I'm having a baby. It's not going to change anything. And that state of mind um, prevented me from really experiencing what was going on. And, and, and I, I'm sure people have told me stuff, but I'm not sure I was listening. Mm -hmm. So that's hard when you give a, an advice because people need to be ready to receive it. I was not ready. I was living in a very um, men's world where nobody talks about pregnancy and having kids. My colleagues uh, would never take care of their kids. Uh, we are away from weekends all the time. So it was, it was just not a conversation I had before. And I was very sure of myself, of me dealing with it and... I would never be the mom that would cry on the floor and and be scared of having a baby more than six feet away. But I was that mom, and and that's also why I felt so um, anxious because I felt I was not normal. I as I explained, I was very normal. But um, I think the advice I could um, give is listen to yourself. I, I knew something was up, I, but I was not ready to listen to myself. And um, my American host sister, uh, Nan, she, she, she told me something very true. She said, everything is a phase. And remember that. 
maybe it's hard right now it won't be in a few days or in a few weeks and I I, I, I hold on to that advice for a long time and it's still very true right now but it's a different <laughs> thing yeah, with two and a half year old, yes. yeah. <laughs> my daughter just woke up and um, she's on my <laughs> my lap um, but but I, I think that's also why I, I created that podcast so women and men would listen to it before uh, giving birth and and maybe uh, changing the um, look on pregnancy and on mothers. I think I was very judgmental of mothers. I did not understand women who would give up on their work for their kids, who would, um, who their world would revolve around their kids. I, I and and then I become that mom. And when I became that mom, I was like, whoa, hold on. I I hated that mom before. Why am I that mom? <laughs> And it's taught me that judgment is really not a good option for uh, motherhood. But women have to be superwoman and we got to do everything. Being a mom, being a good worker, being a good partner. And nothing is done for us to realize that being pregnant, giving birth is a very sacred period. It only happens maybe once or twice or three times in your life. So let's give them a break to women and tell them, yes, you can take time. Yes, it's a very important period in your life. It's matrescence. It's and 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 just you know, just be around them and support them and tell them they're awesome. They're creating a human being. I mean, come on. I did not see that beauty in women before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now, yeah, every time you see a woman with a pregnant belly or with a new baby or even with a young child, you must you must almost find your own heart filled with joy and love because you think about what that's meant for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also something, as I told you, like, I was not ready to receive uh, advice. So it's very hard when I see it. I mean, my friends now, they know it's fine. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah, you say this right now. Trust me, you won't say that in two weeks when you have your kids in your hand. But um, that's also why the podcast is such a blessing because people can pick uh, any episode and listen when they're ready. And I'm not forcing them or trying to shove down their throat something important. Um, that's what I like about the podcast. I wanted to ask you if you could um, tell us just a little bit about what your journey has been like to become a certified pre and postnatal yoga instructor mm -hmm. and just the role of fitness in your life in, in general as a mother and, you know, during your pregnancies. Um, so again, <laughs> this has been uh, influenced a lot by Nan. She's a yoga instructor, not not um, specialized in uh, in pregnant and postpartum women, but just in yoga. So she's the one who um, made me discover yoga 15 years ago in Minneapolis. So it's always been part of my life. And then when I um, stepped away from my full-time job, I was like, okay, I'm taking this year. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I want to train myself and do stuff for myself. What would I want to do? And I figured, okay, maybe yoga is a very good option for me. And, and taking care of women when they're the most vulnerable and where they need people to be surrounding them 
I felt it was a good option. So it was an amazing week I spent uh, in a retreat learning about um, pregnancy, women, and so many other other stuff. I've learned stuff about my own um, um, delivery, delivery, yeah, mm-hmm. so, uh, by um, uh, being trained by a midwife over there. So it was amazing. And fitness, I well, again, I maybe like so many women when I gave birth, I expected my body to go back <laughs> uh, to whatever was before and in a very quick way. And and then again, Nan was like, well, it took you nine months to create a human being. Maybe give yourself and your body nine months to figure that out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and and for sure, nine months later, I started to lose weight and feel like myself physically uh, and get back in shape or I'm not going to say like my body before, but um, it's different. I'm thinner, which is weird, but apparently it happens a lot. Um, and I don't know, maybe we have a different relationships to body here in France. It's all culture. Um, maybe we're not as obsessed about it as it is uh, maybe in America. I don't know. You do you do experience, I think, a lot of pressure. Part of that is also the celebrity culture. You know, there's so much... Um, comparison with celebrities and what's happening with them, which is which is challenging. But I, I think that women in general need to remember, like you said, it took seven months to grow the baby, and then seven months, obvious, or nine months rather, to grow the baby, and then nine months after to, you know, ex- have your body return almost back to a state of healing. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of healing that needs to take place, and then from there, establishing your your new normal. So I, I think that, you know, for example, Emma and I have talked about this. We're both still actually breastfeeding. So Emerson's like 14 and a half months and, and Owen is 15 months. And so breastfeeding obviously does affect the way that your body is, is postpartum as well. And, and so I think there's so many different things that play a role, right? Is a mom right back to work or is she at home? Is there another child at home, et cetera, that, that, you know, that just plays such a role in that. So I think it's wonderful that you found that joy through yoga. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what motivates you to use your podcast as a platform for educating your listeners in general, but then also motivating society to adapt to new policies and laws that can support not only future parents or current parents, but also children who might be suffering from parents who simply might just lack education, resources, mm. etc. Well, first of all, uh, I have to explain the context. Here we get 16 weeks of um, of leave for maternal, I mean, from the state. So everyone gets that for women. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is it paid as well? It's paid full time, 100% for everyone. Uh, oh. Well, not everyone, freelance people like me right now uh, won't be paid. But uh, for people with full time job, everyone gets it. Um, but we all have some listeners here that are, that are, I know that's why I'm, mine was paid. I was a full-time teacher, not paid a penny. You know, it's just astounding. This is not okay. To me, 16 weeks is not enough. We need six months for sure. Mm. But then dads or uh, second parent, they only get 11 days. They don't have to take it. They do whatever they want. Usually in some, um, um, firm, it's not very well seen to take those days, so it leaves women alone for so long, for so many weeks. And 
okay, before I think we had that village uh, to raise kids with women who were not working and everything, but that, it, it has changed and we are alone. And I, I've listened to your podcast and you've talked about that, that isolation that so many women feel mm-hmm. and see even us, we are a good, we have a good policy, but we feel isolated. And why? Because the second parent is not around. And that's a very big problem. So I think it's a very important issue that we need to address. And um, in in Europe, um, in, in Sweden, in Norway, all those northern uh, countries, they are so far ahead. Um, sometimes uh, the second parents or the father get six months paid 100% off oh, to take care of the child. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I can well, totally yeah, imagine I mean, the dream. Just, yeah, the dream of it. Because that's so true what you're saying about the isolation. New mothers feel isolated. And what is one large part of isolation? The fact that, like you said, they're at home alone with a baby who they're caring for 23 hours out of 24 a day with no support from a, from a partner because the partner has to be at work, you know? He- well, yeah, and you know uh, the studies, uh, postpartum depression. It's in France. It's one out of five women. It's a lot. It's so much. It's the first disease after giving birth. There's. It, it has nothing to do with giving birth. It's just the society, the way it is. Um, it is treating us. It's challenging. And even on top of that, things like, you know, we don't have like la crèche here. I mean, we have, of course, we have daycares, but we do, it's not, it's not funded at all by the state whatsoever. So you have to choose, you know, parents often find themselves stuck between like in, in the case with, with my husband, it did not make financial sense for me to work full time and put Emerson in daycare full time. I would have come home every year with a net earnings of 17,000 to work 45 hours a week. I was like, what? Yep. After daycare. Yep. And so we were like, and, and, and this is me, you know, full-time teaching job. It, it, I mean, that's, that's a solid, that's a solid career. But yet when you did the math and the cost of daycare. So I agree with you that there are a lot of like root issues that already exist in our societies that don't set women up for success. And that, that's so challenging. You know, how can, yeah. we, how can we, how can we also deal with our own emotional upheaval when we're fighting against some really, really difficult, I guess, fundamentals of the way that things are structured as it is? So, yeah, I think, um, we are telling women and, and let, letting them feel guilty about what's going on when they become a mother, but it's none of the fault. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's very true. And the fact that you get to take a stand and bring experts and bring people in the field who have experienced some of these injustices and, and, and can share about them, I think is a really profound way to, to spread the word. And also I thought it was really neat how you use, this was gosh, several months ago now, this is prior to your second pregnancy, but you used your Instagram as a platform and stories to share about how you had been in a shopping um, I think you were in a shopping center and you saw a mother with, I think, her mm. mother. And then there was the mistreatment of a child. And mm-hmm. you were you were able to share that experience and discuss how you reacted to it, how in retrospect you wish you would have. Um, and I, I just really liked that you brought that conversation. I mean, I'm very sorry for you, woman <laughs> to woman, that that experience happened because those kinds of things are very jarring. However, I, I really appreciated that you brought that to the audience because I remember myself as just a, an Instagram, you know, scrolling through your stories thinking, wow, this is, 
you know, interesting. And then you, you, you posted in there some ways that other women had responded and, and situations that they had been in. And I thought, this is what we need more of. We need bringing these issues to the table. And one woman in particular, remember she said how she had a chance to actually talk to, I think it was a father and the father yeah. calmed down and listened to her and said, you're right. Here's really my story. This is why I'm stressed out. This is why I was doing this. I'm not justifying it, but I'm just telling you. And I thought like, as challenging as these situations are when you present them to an audience that's listening to you because, you know, you have an audience. I think that that's, that's powerful. And so it's, it's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, you're right. Cause, um, so when I started this podcast, obviously I wanted women to feel less guilty and feel heard, but I also really wanted to pass on that message of kids should never ever been slapped or spanked or whatever it is um being hit Mm -hmm. um you have a different approach in america um here in france 80 percent of the population thinks that spanking your kids is okay we've just passed down laws to um prohibit that but it's a very big issue we i'm i was very lucky to be raised by parents who never ever um, hit me ever, but I think I think maybe yeah, ninety percent of my friends uh, got slapped or spanked or whatever it is, and becoming a mom, it was just a priority for me to educate people because you've mentioned it uh sometimes it's only because people they have no tools they don't know what to do they 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 don't know that their kids is immature that he's uh their brain are not set up the way ours are they've been spanked their whole life or when they were kids and so it's very normal for them and breaking down that cycle is hard and I've also been very, <laughs> again, influenced by my uh, host family in America. Um, I love them very much. And, and we were having conversation every night after, after high school where they would ask me what was the best part of your day, what was the, the worst part. And we were just uh, communicating, having conversation. Um, I love my parents, but that's not the way we were doing stuff. Um, so it also taught me about feelings, uh, in America. Maybe you have that image of the United States of you guys being always happy. I think that's the image we get from Europe. Um, I was lucky enough to live in America to know it's not true, but at least I feel like there is a conversation about emotions and feelings that we really don't have in France. Our all culture is way more about, uh, oh no, keep things for yourself and don't spread any word. Don't talk. So I, I, I really wanted to change that um, perspective and, and, and try to spark conversation about it. And emotions are good. We need to talk about them. We need to, to see failure as something positive that, because it's not the, the, the case here in France. And being a parent is almost failing every day. So if there is a shame around that and nobody can talk about it, it's hard and that's why so many french parents use violence against their kids because they have no idea what's going on it's the only response they've been told about and and communication and talking is not part of our culture Mm -hmm. yeah i think that that's 
It's true. It's interesting comparing the two cultures because I've spent quite a lot of time in France as well. And I would, I would concur that there's definitely, I would say people in, in France are a lot, lot, I guess, tighter and more closed in terms yeah. of their emotions and what they share. Whereas here you get certainly more dialogue and more openness. But then again, obviously America being a melting pot, like I know my husband growing up in a family from Vietnam with a Vietnamese <laughs> cultural background. Obviously, I, I know that his growing up, he always talks about was, was different than mine in terms of the openness, kind of the communication. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I, and I know that obviously now my husband's American, his family's American, they all live here. And yet those, those traits and those, those ways that he were raised, you know, it, it, it does impact obviously even now, like in, you know, in parenthood, we talk about it, we share about it, and you have to kind of reestablish your own approaches. So yes, I would agree with you that in general, Americans tend to be a bit more emotions on the sleeve. There certainly is is work to be done. I think everywhere because oh yeah, the more you can be open, the I think the better, and we give our children more of a chance to recognize their own emotions, and above all, we give mothers a chance to, like you said, I love your advice. Listen, like if that little voice is saying to you, you don't want to be six feet from your baby, don't be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I I love that, and and I also love to, to jump real quick back to your. When you interviewed your partner and you guys talked about making a goal to like go out on dates more and do all that. And you're like, well, we made the goal. We haven't done it, but things are getting better. And I laughed because like, that's, that's so much of my husband. I, okay, honey, we need to do a date night or we need to do this. And sometimes it's almost just having the conversation that can be like at least a stepping stone, right? Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) Even if we've only done one single night away from Emerson in the last almost 15 months, we did one. (laughs) So, um, so I just wanted to ask you if you had a just a specific episode or two for you that was particularly moving. I, I know that you've interviewed um, mothers very personally. I, I love the interview you did with Laura Manadou, the, mm. the Olympic champion, or Natalia Doko, who's the singer, or Sophie Machineau, who's married to a professional rugby man, and even Caroline Tellier, the CEO of PayPal. That one was a wonderful interview, and I wish so much, as I'm saying these, I'm imagining my American, American audience, or, or I should say English-speaking audience. I know we have a few listeners in Australia as well, but it's it's so challenging because I want nothing more than for them to experience the episodes in the same way that I was able to. But <laughs> since they can't, is is there something that you could you could say just about the the connectivity you found through sharing about motherhood experience with other mothers? Well, you know, we all live in a very Instagram filtered world, where and especially in motherhood, and I think the podcast allows women to be true and speak their truths and motherhood has nothing to do with a filter and sometimes well some interviews I was almost crying listening to them because I felt for them um you can tell when they felt isolated when they had no idea what was going on nobody would be around and support them so those episodes, and, and it's funny because you, you've mentioned so many different women who had different stories, like um, Caroline Tellier, who's the CEO of PayPal in Europe. She she was ready to go back to work like as soon as she had given birth. And I remember when I posted this episode on Instagram, so many moms were kind of angry at me like how can you uh let her talk she's not experiencing what we are experiencing and i i think that's part of the problem if she's happy that way she's happy that way i was just showing that 
her firm, PayPal, because it's an American firm, had done everything for her to be able to be a mom and to be a CEO. And I think it's amazing and wonderful. And we should uh, praise that kind of uh, experience and not say, oh, she only took two months off. She's not like us, you know? I think that's so true. I remember in that interview, she she makes a comment, something to the tune of, if I only get 30 to 45 minutes with my kids, I make sure that they're quality yeah. minutes and I absorb every minute. And I remember thinking first, like, wow, like, only, yeah. you know, but it works for her though. That's exactly. What, you know, and I have friends that work full time and their time is limited with their kids, but that works for them. So that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I wouldn't want to be uh, in her position. But I'm happy she's happy, you know, mm-hmm. and and that and I'm, I'm I'm more happy that she can be the CEO of PayPal and has two kids and she's only 38 years old, you know, mm-hmm. that that says a lot about everything going on around her, and other women like experienced exactly what I experienced, and and I felt so deeply connected to them. Uh, Natalia Doko, who's a singer, she's from Argentina, and she was like breaking down in front of her um, audience when she was uh, singing because she was away from her four months old, and and I had the same experience with my job. So I I love that in in the podcast you have um, so many different stories. Um, and, and motherhood is just that way. And I'm sure um, when I have my second kid, I'm going to feel different. It's going to be different anyway because I'm a different person. I know different things. I'm educated around those topics. Um, and I'm more ready for everything. And, you know, I've been asked to write a book about matrescence. And it's been a year now. And, and I'm like, I don't think I can do it until I have a second kid. Because I want to know what it feels like to be ready, to have the knowledge, and and to be um, detached from all the the things that society tells you to be. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only me, and I do what I want, and I'm going to have a home birth, and I'm sure this is going to change also a lot of things about my postpartum experience. So I'm... I'm I'm excited about that, you know, to write another uh, book, but with two different experiences. So then I know what I've lived. Um, not everyone can relate to it. And maybe me, I'll be living a different thing. So I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying. No, it does, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's so true because the experience you had with your first pregnancy and with Ella's birth is going to be vastly different than with the second and being able to share about those two experiences, even the postpartum experience. I mean, when your second baby is born, you don't have a cloud hanging over your head of a full-time contract. You yeah, know, it's exactly. It's going to be a matter of getting back into your own, your own specific work and your own passions. And totally. But it's going to be a, a different experience. I think that's wonderful. Oh my gosh, I will, I will read your book. I will. <laughs> for that but that's that's exciting and I think that it's such a good point it's very well said that each woman is going to have her experiences and that's what makes all of this so unique for us so yeah and and, you know you asked me if there were there was one episode that was that struck me and um I was interviewing a psychiatric psychiatric a woman uh, psychiatrist, yeah. yep. Psychiatrist. And, and she uh, is specialized into the bonding of the mom and the kid from early on. And is that the she, one with, uh, was it Catherine Gangois? No, Catherine Gangois is a, is a 
pediatrics and oh, she's okay. amazing she, um, i wish her book was translated in english but it's not no she, it, it's another one it's um anne reno she's oh, yes, uh yes. she's yes yeah, she's specializing the bonding um term and 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 as she was explaining to me why it was so vital and important for uh the baby to be with the parent and not only the woman but um and and i was like oh my god i I was gone four days a week for the first nine or ten months of my kid's life. Mm -hmm. And no kidding, she has trouble letting me go somewhere or being away from me. Mm -hmm. And I almost was crying as I was listening to her because I was feeling, well, guilt and 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 maybe pain for my daughter because I, I, I obviously I knew it was wrong because I felt very bad about being away from her but i i had no idea what was going on for her she was such a tiny baby i mean today it's easy she she tells me mm. it's, it's it's way more easy but when she was a little baby tiny baby she must have felt so sad about not having a mom for four days a week and wow it was like okay if i have another one well i actually i was pregnant when i no not yet but i was like there's no way I'm doing this again, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think it's also the giving yourself permission to have experiences and then to look back on them and reflect on them and decide how you might do it differently in the future, but also to, oh, yeah. to, to forgive yourself too. Because I found that even with my own journey, you know, certain things I look back on, I handled this this way or this was the, this story or, you know, and, and I think it's important to, you've got to find that balance. You know, you've got to find that you know, giving yourself grace, right? But then also saying, what can I learn from this? And it's a, it's, it's motherhood, right? It's a delicate balance. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're right. I found grace. I mean, I was, I was sad, but the guilt just faded away. I was like, okay, I just didn't know. I, I had no education around that topics. Now I know, and I'll do better. So I did just want to ask you one final question before we finish up today, and that's that you stepped away from your career as a sports journalist. And is is it something where you desire in the future, like imagining your life if you know you have your second child and then a few years go by, is it something you desire to return back to? Or are you content doing the freelancing as you are and continuing to pursue your podcast? No, actually, I'm so happy the way it is now. I... I was tired of being only a sports journalist. It can be very stressful. And also, I felt like it was not only who I was. And I wanted to share more and, and show more of who I was. And I love sports a lot. But I also have other interests. And talking about sports 24 hours a day is not what I want to do anymore. Um, I'm happy the way I work, which is uh, maybe 10 or 12 weekends a year uh, for rugby and sometimes on big competition like the World Cup. So freelancing has given me the, the chance to be who I want to be. And and I think I'm sure as we all reach our 30s, it's something that is more of a goal than it used to be. Um, and maybe also because I became a mom. But um, I, I think um, you can love sports and love talking about parenting and parenthood and motherhood. And, and I, I think it's also a little bit of a challenge for me to show the world or at least the sports world that um 
it's it's pretty it's cool i mean i'm still a, a a fun person but i can teach you some stuff about being a human being on this planet so and and not only talk about scores and tries and stuff like this <laughs> absolutely yeah it's neat that you can i guess it, use the the platform you've already created as a professional and use it in in a unique capacity i think that's amazing mm -hmm. exactly so before we finish today, would you mind sharing with us a couple of your English-speaking podcast recommendations and maybe a couple of books that have influenced you in a positive way that are also written in English? Yeah, don't get me started with books because when you do that, I mean, I read so many books. When you ask me, I was like, okay, let's, I'll, I'll make a list. <laughs> and then I was like, whoa, there are so many. So I'm going to stop. Well, you know what I will do is I'll have you, if you don't mind, share just a few here and then just email me the rest. And then sure, we'll sure. Those in the, show notes, so. um, the podcast I listen a lot is uh, from El of My Tribe. I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, she's from Texas and Alex and her podcast is motherhood is a team sport I think is a very good title um, she's had amazing guests uh, she's not very regular but um, it's worth listening okay great. Uh, and then the other one is from England uh, and it's not only about um, motherhood it's called deliciously Ella oh yes but she she's amazing. I mean, I've known that woman for eight or nine. I mean, I have not known her. I've followed her <laughs> on social media um, from yeah for eight years. And she's she has a podcast, and she has the best guests ever. And it has helped me a lot about my own uh, mental health. And the second one I want to share, it's because it's a French book, but it has a translation in English, and I'm so happy about it. Uh, it's called Understanding Children's Emotions okay. from Isabel Fioza. Okay. She's a very famous uh, psychologist here. Um, and, and her books, I mean, are amazing. She's written like maybe 17 of them. But this one is the second one I read uh, after giving birth. And I was like, okay, wow. This is amazing. So I'm, I'm really happy it's in English because there are other that are amazing in French, but it has no translation. The other one I've read, uh, well, obviously it's Ina May uh, Guides to Childbirth. Mm, I don't know. That one too. Well, yeah, yeah. This, this is a good one. But um, uh, Alexandra Sachs, she had a book uh, earlier last year, uh, What No One Tells You. Okay. Really good one. And I also, uh, when you mentioned her TED Talk, I, I listened to that oh, as well, and that was that was really powerful. It is, huh? And then the last one I want to talk about is uh, To Have and to Hold by Molly Millwood. Okay. And, and it, it's, whoa, I loved it because she talks a lot about um, how the dynamic into the couple can change uh, entering motherhood and why. Mm. And it's, uh, sh she's a psychologist. And she's, she has a lot of studies and it's very um, profound. I don't know. I really like that one. I just really cannot thank you enough for, for your time today, Clemency. Would you mind telling our listeners where they can get in touch with you? Obviously, if someone is French speaking and hearing this, then that would be you know a, def a definite in for them. But even if they're just learning French or they want to follow you, how, how could they do so? Sure. So in Instagram, um, I'm at Clemsarla. 
um, and at La Matricence, La Matricence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, on both of those accounts, I'm more reactive on La Matricence because uh, people are talking to me a lot more. Okay. And uh, yeah, you can reach me on uh, on that on those pages, or you can listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, again, we really sincerely appreciate your time, your insight, and your reflection on all things matrescence. So thank you all for joining us on our episode today. And be sure to follow us at ABCs of Matrescence on Instagram. Obviously, you can check in and see what we're up to, what we're doing, and drop us a line. We love to hear from you. And kindly rate and review us on iTunes. It takes just a couple seconds, and it really provides us with an opportunity to get our name out there a little more and share our podcast with other mamas-to-be and mamas and also families out there, too, who might benefit from hearing a little bit what we have to share and what our guests have to share as well. So thank you all for tuning in.